0: One of the reasons why is because, you know, women make up 50% of the population. So if 50% of the population aren't empowered, then there's a huge, huge problem there. And just from, like, you know, personal experiences and just seeing people, particularly women, who haven't necessarily felt empowered, just make the wrong decisions.
1: That's Urena Okonko, the founder of Cashmere, a social savings and e-commerce platform which helps modern trend-focused millennials save towards and purchase luxury fashion. Guilt free and without having to dip into their personal savings. And she joins us here on the Black Founders podcast hosted by Hoka, the house of Kurt Henderson. Hey, Joanna, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
1: Pleasure. So, today, um, like we've done with our previous podcast guests, we'll be discussing your journey, your passions and we'll be playing a few of the four challenges that we we have here in the show. Um, but I'll go into those in more detail just before we start each one. But first, tell us about yourself and your startup app, Cashmere.
0: Sure, so I'm Irena and I am the founder of a fintech startup called Cashmere. And Cashmere is a savings app designed for the next generation of aspirational consumers. So helping them save up and buy their favorite luxury products and experiences in a much more financially responsible way. So, without them having to dip into their other important savings or reduce their, um, you know, their living standards or get into debt.
1: Amazing, incredible. So, so this started in 2018, a big year. Uh, so you were in Harrods. Yeah. And. You know, actually, let's just just act this scenario out just a bit. So, you're in Harrods and you picked up some heels that you wanted to buy. What were the the first thoughts that came to your mind when you picked them up?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I was in Harrods with my friends and we were just kind of looking around, you know, window shopping and all that. And I saw these pair of shoes and I just like instantly fell in love with them. I tried them on and it was perfect, it was like a perfect fit. Everything was like I was. Like, I need these shoes, mm-hmm. and then I saw the price tag and I was like, "Oh mm-hmm. crap!" <laughs> and the shoes were about six hundred pounds. <laughs> and a part of me was just like, Oof. "Oh, you know, I could use my credit card to buy the shoes, or you know, I could dip into mm-hmm. my other my my savings account to buy the shoes." But then the other part of me was like, "No, like you need to be smart. Like you're a financial advisor." So at the time, I was working as a financial advisor. So I was like, you need to be taking your own financial advice okay. be good with your money. And um, so I decided not to buy the shoes. And then, you know, and it wasn't just, it wasn't because like I didn't have the money or whatever, but it was more like, I mean, I had money, I had the options, but I just couldn't justify spending 600 pounds on a pair of yeah. shoes just impulsively um, without budgeting for it or anything. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so later on that day, I was just thinking to myself mm-hmm. that like, oh, like if I had like a special like money pot, like money I was putting away, like micro saving each month towards um you know treating myself to something in the future then i wouldn't have felt yeah. you know, that guilt <laughs> um and then that's kind of how the initial idea for cash making results
1: i have been there uh, in so many instances of looking at something where i know i have the money there but it's just whether it's a priority buying it right now and yes i have also thought about credit cards you know oh i could just buy that on the credit card and or do like a monthly installment kind of thing but then it's like oh or well maybe i could just, just yeah. save up for this thing do i really need it now and does it take higher priority over the things that i need to pay for in my life right now like travel bills etc um so yeah i feel like everyone who's listening could definitely relate to that so why do you think it's so important for individuals to save money using these virtual piggy banks as opposed to 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 spending what they earn outright and what can people learn from that
0: yeah i think like you know right now we live in this crazy consumerist society where there's just so much out there and you're kind of being forced to spend money on everything like Especially that, like, you know, living in London, like you just all you just have to do is step out of your house and £20 left your account. Like, all you just have to do is breathe and money leaving your account. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. And, you know... I you know, if you couple that with like, you know, social media mm-hmm. and Instagram and all these things where you've got influencers living a the lifestyle that most people can't afford, all this stuff. So, you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of pressure, particularly mm-hmm. for young people to, you know, want to keep up. Like I was reading some research so that, you know, on average, young people spend um, roughly 400 pounds a month um, trying to keep up with their favorite influencers wow. and seven in 10 of them get into debt mm-hmm. doing that. And, you know, and there's no, there's no really mm-hmm. any, um, sort of, like, resources or, you know, or, like, people actually telling young people that, like, hey, you need to actually watch how you're spending money. Like, all the brands mm-hmm. are trying to get your money, but no one's actually saying, like, here's how to be responsible about it. And that was one of my biggest frustrations mm-hmm. when, you know, when I started, when I came up with the idea for Cashman, I started to, like, look into the this industry and this world um, and see that, like, you know, where young people particularly are constantly being forced or not forced but influenced to make these wrong decisions Mm -hmm. particularly because you know when you're younger you're not even giving any you're not taught anything about financial literacy you become an adult you start earning money Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're just making poor decisions um so Mm -hmm. i think like with, with cashman what we're trying to do is like you know turn turn this whole way of thinking and head and be like you know it's okay to want nice things like i love nice things he doesn't like nice things but here is a much more (laughs) responsible way a a much more like you know conscious way of doing it so we're not saying that like don't buy that gucci bag or don't buy that chanel perfume or whatever but you know you don't need it right now so why don't Mm -hmm. you just put money rather than spending 500 pounds out of the blue why don't you save 100 pounds for five months and once you've hit that 500 pounds you can then buy it and not feel guilty and not feel like oh you have have to like mm-hmm. survival bins and toast for the rest of the month you know i had loads of um <laughs> when i when i started to do the re- when i had the idea for cashmere i started doing the research and you know doing like user research and interviewing people about how they're currently funding their luxury purchases like some of the things i was hearing was insane like I, I and people were mm-hmm. telling me that you know they'd spend their entire paycheck like you know two thousand three thousand pounds on a chanel bag and they have no money for the rest of the month they can't pay yeah. their rent or anything but you don't see that side of wow. things on instagram you know people just end up using yeah. like payday loans to cover the rest of their like living um costs and all that and it's just mm-hmm. crazy um but yeah, this is a huge problem that, you know, that we're trying, we're trying to fix at Cashmere.
1: So you think that just to kind of um, go back on one of the points that you made in people's perception of how influencers spend their money on, on Instagram and various other social media platforms, do you think there is some kind of correlation to um, the the perception of the lifestyle influencers live? And how they handle their money do you think there's some kind of influence on how people see that
0: um yeah i mean i think like you know money is a topic that about, until recently money is a topic that most people don't really like talking about so people don't really know how much other people earn. and one yeah. thing i don't like is like pocket watching um but i think especially with <laughs> especially with young people like you know we go on instagram we see our favorite influences like you know, living the lifestyle and going on amazing holidays and buying the latest handbags and stuff and some people do like mm. you know have that i don't know i guess they attach their worth to that and sort of like want to feel like you know if this person can do it then i want to do it also but then that means that like sometimes they tend to make the wrong decisions um about it and it'd be good if like inf- more influencers started to be a bit more open and you know I'm not saying show your bank account or the bank balance or anything but just kind of like be a bit yeah. more transparent about like mm. you know sometimes like a lot of this stuff is gifted or like you know this lifestyle isn't as glamorous as it seems because I think a lot of that is all missed out particularly on Instagram because it's all every Instagram is about right. showing your highlights and not like all the <laughs> dirty stuff that right. happens behind the scenes
1: you're absolutely right on that um, in regards to um, people trying to create this positive front of you know money is something that they they have opposed to just saying sometimes you know whether it be to yourself or be to your fellow peers or um you know family members that you just don't have the money to do something yeah so now with a startup it's it's, it's just hard to completely focus your time and energy on building it um as a other a priority such as bills to be paid family activities and more yeah. how did you find that and what did you do to ensure that you brought this business to life
0: yeah so um When I was, so when I had the idea for Cashmere, kind of I spent a bit of time sort of like you know trying to research this world because I was coming as an outsider, like I wasn't coming from a tech background or anything like that. Mm. Um, And then after that period, it got to point where I was like, yeah, I want to take this a bit more seriously. So one of the things I did was like I moved, I moved back home. Um, So I I used to have I used to live in a flat. I was renting a flat in Wandsworth, you know, and I was paying like. This is back in twenty sixteen or so, so I was paying like over a grand or something a month in rent to bills. So I was like, yeah, I can't be doing this anymore. Um, so yes, yeah, so I, I, I um, had to say goodbye to my beautiful flat yeah. and um, went back home, um, so that I can um, you know save save a bit of my money and also have kind of like money that I could put towards the business mm-hmm. um, because you know I wanted to bootstrap the business for a bit. Um, before like you know, starting to think about raising investments or anything yeah. um and then also because so at this point i was also working full-time in finance so i also wanted to you know save money yeah. um like save a lot more money um rather than paying rent. like i can put that money to, as like some kind of um i guess money that i can use to pay my bills and stuff so i didn't have to worry about all of that yeah. stuff so um but yeah so i yeah so i moved back home um I mean, the money I was, I, was, I was paying to my mom was not nowhere near what I was paying in rent. So yeah, it definitely helped a lot in terms of building that cushion to allow me then focus on um, uh, starting and building the business.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And tell us about that investment journey. Um, where did the hurdles arrive arise, and what? How did you eventually get over that line to secure an angel investment that you did for the business?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I kind of knew that I was gonna raise investment at some point, so Mm. I was doing a lot of like you know preliminary background work, sort of like to prepare myself for that whole journey. Like, and what that means is you know starting to build my network because, like I said, I didn't know anybody in tech, (laughs) so you know starting (laughs) to go to events and meet people, connect with different investors with angel and VC, just to kind of understand what exactly is it that investors look for when they they, make. choose to make an investment um yeah. and also because i was still, you know we all know that like in this startup game it's all about who you know <laughs> rather than anything else yeah. so Very um, having some sort of, like time to build that <laughs> network was yeah <laughs> yeah it was was really really key so <laughs> um i remember i went to an event in like 2017 it was like a black history month event and i met this lady who mm. um uh, at that point, she was a chief accountant at Christian Libyton. Um, okay. And I was like, you know, talking to her about my idea and stuff. So, you know, at this point, I was like, because a lot of times people are like, oh, they don't want to talk about what they're working on when it's still not launched yet because they're afraid of, you know, yeah. people might steal their idea and stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm the sort of person that I don't really care about that. I'm like, <laughs> all right, go on and do it then because <laughs> it's not really easy. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so one, one, of the things I, one of the things I was doing a lot was actually talking about my idea, talk, talking about what I was doing or what I wanted to do with yeah. uh, with other people, with strangers, because one of the things I realised is like, that you just never know who you're talking to or you never know who knows who. So funny yeah. enough, so I, I was at this event and I was speaking to her and she was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, you know, she's the chief accountant at Christian Louisa and I was like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> well, that's helpful. <laughs> and then yeah. I, I said to her that, like, you know, I'll be I'll I'm considering um, I'll be looking to raise investment in the next six to nine months or so. And she was like, Oh, I've got a friend who's an Indian investor. So, um, you know, like I'm I'm happy to connect you to him um, Mm. when you're ready. And Mm. so fast forward, you know, six to nine months later, he ends up putting a 75,000 pound check into my business. Um, And this is all because I turned up at this event. Like I would never, I probably would never have met her any other way. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of one of the advice I give to like, like, you know, first-time founders and new founders like don't be afraid to talk about what you're building I mean no one's asking you to give all the detail and all your IP and all of that stuff right. but some kind of like high-level um, summary of what exactly is building and what sort of like help you might need because you just never know like and I've one thing I realized is a lot of people are actually very willing to help um, in some way right. and so yeah so that's that's kind of like what I did Um a lot of like my current angel investors are all people who I've met at events. Literally. Okay. I, yeah. Oh. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of them is someone who I met at an event or something. And they've kind of followed me through the journey and all that. And then decide, mm. okay, like I, I've really, I've been following you for the past couple of years, whatever. Like I want to place a ticket. Yeah. Like and none of them have ever really like, I've never really had to pitch yeah, to them. Apart from the very first guy, because I didn't know him. It was like, mm-hmm. it was a connection through, um this mutual um person but every yeah. other person it was it was never like i had to do some long pitch deck or like mm. have to do some five-year <laughs> forecasting you know, that oh, stuff. It's literally oh. like i really love what you're building i'm gonna write a check that's literally how it's been i don't think any of them have even looked at my deck <laughs> that's okay so it's just like it shouldn't be this hard like honestly <laughs> So anytime, because even right now that I'm fundraising, like I'm now raising a much bigger round and right. you know, starting to look at you know, institutional uh, money and stuff, and mm-hmm. um, both, both angel and institutional. But like when I feel mm-hmm. like it's too, it's it's a bit too difficult, like. I just, I pull away because I'm like, it shouldn't be this hard because I'm yeah. seeing those people like raising so much money for barely, doing barely anything. Right. So if I feel like this is too much of a struggle, I just pull away and I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I don't have to go through this <laughs> to be really honest. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because fundraising <laughs> <laughs> is definitely not for the faint hearted. That, that, that's one thing I'd say.
1: Oh, definitely <laughs> not. And- I completely relate with your point in regards to exposing your idea, idea to the right people out there because you just don't know who is in the room or who is just even online or wherever. Yeah. Because um, I think what people tend to forget when they're so um, close to their idea, so intimate with what they're building, is first of all, by exposing your idea doesn't necessarily mean that someone else hearing it is going to have that same level of passion to go away and build it or have that those expertise or the right connections to go and build it. So it really just reduced that percentage yeah. of someone actually copying and stealing your idea down to a very, very small percentage. Um, and also, you just never know who you're going to meet. It's like shotgun spraying. So you spray your idea out there and someone's going to latch onto it and say, this is, this is a great opportunity. You have the passion for it. You have the experience to do it. And you've already started on something. Let's work together. And that's, that's how those beautiful relationships form. So that's, that's so exciting that how you talked about like your meeting your first investors at those events, because people may think otherwise, some people may look at events and say, oh, it's just a lot of time and, you know, shaking hands with people. You know, I mean, you can't do that now in COVID times anyway, Um, (laughs) but people you don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's, that's an interesting, very interesting approach. And for those who are listening, there you go. It's a perfect working example. Um... So just on the topic of money, how does Kashmir make money? And I'm going to take a random guess and say, is it through advertisements or some kind of commission-based model?
0: Yeah, yeah. So we um, we make money through commissions from the uh, luxury okay. brands and retailers. So we get up to 20% commission okay. um, from
1: them. Nice. Which
0: is pretty good. <laughs> That's really good.
1: Wow. And your, and your partnerships? Um, I see you have partnerships with Harvey Nichols, Farfetch, Harrods, good old Harrods. Um, yeah. bounds, matches, fashion, <laughs> etc. How did you establish those partnerships and were they hard to, to get over the line?
0: Um so I mean it was it was hard at first because um I've never done anything like this before. <laughs> um but it was it, but I feel like with these type of things it's it's um once you've got your it was very hard to get the first yes, basically that's what I'm trying to say. But mm-hmm. once you've got once I got the first yes, everything else was easier yeah. because you know with a lot of these mm-hmm. things like there's a lot of FOMO a lot of like oh this person is doing this so I want to do it too Um kind of thing so it's like once you've got like you know one big brand on board then it's so much easier to bring on the rest because then you can show yeah. to the other the rest like, okay this is what we've done for so and so this is so this is what we can do for you and stuff but mm. getting to the point where you get that first yes <laughs> that's the bit where you have to really like hustle and struggle and stuff because even with like <laughs> with, um, the first brand we got you know, they initially said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I kind of pushed back a bit. Um, and then to be clear, I got mm-hmm. a yes from them. So and then it just, everything else just kind of fell into place from that.
1: Perseverance.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Mm-hmm. Just to kind of segue into our next um challenge, um, it's the first challenge of the podcast, which is our game, the T Rex runner. So just to explain. You'll be exploring your multitasking skills, answering questions I've prepared for you, whilst playing T-Rex Runner. The longer you stay alive, over a minute, jumping over cactuses and ducking under pterodactyls, the more points you'll get. There's three rounds with a maximum of 15 points. That's five points per round. So, are you ready to get started?
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, pressure. <laughs>
1: For the first question, when communicating your vision of what you want to be built to a developer or designer, what are your recommendations and why you may jump?
0: Um, I think one of the things that's pretty important to do is. I ah, know! <laughs> oh.
1: Keep, keep answering.
0: Keep um, answering. <laughs> one of the things that's really important to do is be being really clear about what exactly is um, you want to build and why. So not just about okay, I want to build this feature. It's okay, but how is this building this feature going to affect the overall business KPIs and mm-hmm. you know what your no, what your north star, your goal is? Um, because one of the things I've I've realized is that sometimes you as a founder particularly a non-technical founder you you're the one who usually has the vision and all of the stuff but doesn't necessarily mean that you know the technical person the team has that exact same vision and some and you know sometimes you just expect that they would know that um but one thing i realized is like never make assumptions don't expect that people are going to know what's in your head um so definitely having you know um sort of like communicating in a way that it's whatever what, you want to build is also linked to their overall business goals is so, so important. And then also ensuring that like, you know, everything is documented so that you can keep, you can go back to and there's some kind of like audit okay. trail um, because you know, sometimes, especially mm-hmm. if you don't necessarily have like an in-house, you know, CTO or something, if you let's say you're working with like a freelancer or agency or whatever, um, if, for example, mm. you get one freelancer mm. to build something, and then now you want to bring on board another technical person, but there's no documentation of like what has been done already, it just makes it so hard to like transition, yeah. like to help that this new person then sort of like you know take um carry on from what what was done before, um and this is this is this was definitely a mistake right. that I made in in the very very early stages. So yeah, so I think two things definitely is clear communication and ensuring that your um ensuring that you're, um, mm-hmm. you're compared sorry, you're, you're communicating the, 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 you know, what you want to build, but also linking it to um, the business goals and then also making sure that everything is documented so that it makes it easier to track where exactly it's been done and what hasn't.
1: Fantastic. Great advice. Fantastic advice. And I am definitely a massive fan of that. Um, myself doing similar things, design development, whatnot. It's always good to have an audit trail. Um, yeah, You know, because someone taking over that work could easily just be like, what's going on here? Um, so fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. And you got zero points for that round. Um, very <laughs> strong <zero. laughs> You didn't make it oh over the first God. tree. <laughs> I
0: know. I don't know what happened there.
1: <laughs> so for the next question, what's the most expensive thing you've seen a user save up to buy with the help of
0: Cashmere? I guess the space spacebar to start mm-hmm. um, the most expensive thing I've seen is Oh ah, my god I hate this game <laughs> have
1: another go have another go
0: <laughs> this is actually poor effort this is so bad anyway the most expensive thing I've seen I've had to use a spend about 2000 oh my god yeah I give up <laughs> <laughs> this is actually rigged I'm convinced because I'm actually good at this game <laughs> that's was annoying Clearly. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I know. Um, yeah and so um, i've had it we've had a user spend about two thousand pounds i mean but this was in total though so she bought like a bunch of things um so she bought mm. like a pair of christian Leverton heels and then she bought a um mm. what's it called mark jacob's bag and there was mm-hmm. something else i can't remember what it was but yeah i think she bought like three things Actually, you know, she bought two pairs of Christian Libeturn heels and a Mark Jacobs bag. And I think one oh, total, wow. it cost like £2,000. I was like, wow, someone's boring. Um, but, yeah. what, but what's really cool, <laughs> though, is that um, she's actually someone who has never made a luxury purchase before in her life. Um, oh, and one of the reasons why she um, signed up to Cashmere was because she loved luxury brands, but she just couldn't, like, justify spending mm-hmm. that sort of money um, before. Mm-hmm. Um, but because, yeah. you know, we've sort of built a way that makes it easy for them easy for people to save money each month and then, you know, treat themselves to something and not feel bad about it. That's kind of what the value that she's, been, she's gotten from it. And she's actually one of our top top spenders um, on okay. the app. Like, I mean, the very first you know, t- purchase she did was like two grand. I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> um, okay, because on right. average, we see about <laughs> average order values of about maybe like five, 600 pounds. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, it was pretty cool.
1: That's such a good use case um, and such a good use case to present that to anyone who's signing up. You can save two grand and then God knows what more you can save. That's um, <laughs> ah, fantastic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for our final question of this round,
0: oh,
1: have you ever, have you ever considered a co-founder at any stage of the journey and why or why not? You may jump.
0: Oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yes, so I have considered. So when I had the idea initially, like, oh my god, <laughs> this is so bad. Have I even Maybe got you to mean like You Have been
1: over No, and no, initially... you haven't.
0: <laughs> mm. um, yes, yeah, so initially when I had the idea for Cashman, like everyone was telling me, like, oh, you need a technical co-founder, you need this, you need that, and. I spent a long time trying to find this person, like this perfect technical founder. And I did go through like a period of, you know, like trialing out different people and stuff. But I think one of the things I found out is that like, I just wasted so much time doing that. And I was like, why do I need, like, obviously I understand why I should get one, but Mm -hmm. if it's sort of like distracting me from actually building this business and it's not like, the you know it's, it's just not worth my time because i'm someone that i like to move quickly i don't like to just waste time doing something that i don't see like as fruitful yeah so um because, yeah because yeah. one of the important things you need to know about it's not just about have, finding someone who has the right technical skills to build to build this business with you but also like you need to get on with this person um you need to sort of like yeah. understand that person's work styles so that like you mm. know if 'Cause it's like being in the business is hard. Being a startup is so so hard. Like things are never always gonna go according to plan. And if the person you bring on board, yes, they might be the best engineer in the world, but if they're not the sort of person who knows how to, to deal with pressure or know how to move quickly or knows how to deal with conflict or any of these important like things that actually happen in startup mm-hmm. because uh, you know, a lot of times with startups everyone always sees the glamorous side of hey, so and so has yeah. raised this X <laughs> amount of money, blah 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 but it's like no one ever sees mm-hmm. all the crap that goes on all behind the scenes. Stuff. So, mm. yeah and if you know the, the co-founders you're bringing on board don't have the ability to or the range to deal with all of that stuff then it's just not worth it um because you know we all know mm. that like what really matters at in the early stages of building a business is the team because uh, a, okay. you could have an amazing product but if your team is crap mm. it's just not gonna work at all and you could have a crap product but if your team is great you can do amazing things. I mean, look <laughs> at the amount of companies that have raised hundreds of millions of pounds and dollars. And, you know, I don't think the product is anything revolutionary, but because they've got exactly. a great team, get a great founding team and the great management team who are able to, you know, spearhead the mm-hmm. business. That's why they're really successful. Um, so yeah, so mm-hmm. the, the team aspect is something that I don't think should ever be rushed. I think, you know, you should be always trust your gut. Um, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times your gut is never wrong. Like every time I've gone against my gut when it comes to hiring, I always it, I always come back to bite me, basically. So um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> the stories mm. I've, I, I can tell, oh my
1: God. <laughs> well, fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Um, that's such a key lesson for anyone who's looking to start a business um, um, is to make sure that you have the right team in the early stages. It's very easy for... The wrong people. I mean, I'm to tell you, I've been there myself. Um, the wrong people in the company to disrupt and you know almost um, derail the vision um, with, yeah. with negative energy or just you know lack of energy or, or or motivation or passion towards the business. So, so many key points yeah. to take away from that. Thanks for sharing. And just to tally up your total score of oh zero points zero. over those three <laughs> questions. <laughs> That takes you to a total of zero points. So you got some making up to do within the next (laughs) rounds.
0: (laughs) Oh, Jesus.
1: (laughs) That is the end of our first segment. And just for our next segment, I want to know what you're passionate about and what movements you champion, what gets your heart racing outside and alongside business um whether you do that publicly or privately and where do you want to see change
0: yeah i mean i think one of the things i'm really really passionate about is um empowerment particularly um like female empowerment um one of the reasons why is because you know women make up 50 percent of the population so if 50 population aren't empowered then there's a huge huge problem there and just from like you know personal experiences and just seeing people particularly women who haven't necessarily felt empowered just make the wrong decisions um and one of the ways that women are can be empowered is you know through financial empowerment because you know money and you know That sort of independence allows you to, uh, gives you a lot of freedom and allows you to make a lot of decisions that benefit you um, Mm -hmm. without having to feel some type of fear or anything or feel like, you know, you can't do certain things because you are dependent on someone else or whatever it is. Um, So that's something that I'm really, really passionate about. And I try and get like a lot of young people to really, young women, sorry, to really, really think about how, like, think about their independence and think about. How they can make sure that they are in a Mm -hmm. position to not feel like they have to be dependent on someone else, Um, because you know some people can be crazy, (laughs) so you don't want to be in a position where (laughs) you know you you, you're you're trapped because you have nowhere else to go and stuff. So because I've definitely seen that in in in, family members or like friends or whatever who who, women who are trapped in certain situations purely because they're not, like, you know, financially empowered or whatever it is. Um, so that's kind of something, like, I I really am passionate about. And I kind of, like, tie it into, like, you know, what we're building at cashmere because we also do a lot around... Um, women empowerment when it comes to finance. So in addition to the actual products, right. which is, you know, a savings app to help you buy your favorite luxury products, but we also do workshops um, and yeah. personal finance workshops for women to help them be better with their money. So like oh, you know, we do topics on like, you are know, teaching them about like saving and budgeting or like investing in property, debt management, stuff like that um, because our overall ethos is to empower mm-hmm. women to be good with their money so that they can have access to the life and the lifestyle that they want. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of something I'm,
1: I'm really, really passionate about. Yeah. Wow, such a beautiful message. Um, and I guess for everyone who's listening, there's definitely a lot to take on there and follow you and his journey and how you can get involved in that. What sort of things are you doing um, alongside Kashmir? Are you doing any panel discussions or um, any like, I mean, everyone's in Clubhouse these days. Are you doing anything along, along the lines of that? Um, talking about how you can um, empower women?
0: yeah I mean I do do I do try and limit it because um it can be quite draining <laughs> especially clubhouse um but I do yeah I definitely do like you know um whats it called like panel discussions or like um collaborations with other like women focused communities and things mm-hmm. like that um but I think one of the things I've, I've seen though particularly with this lockdown is like because everything is now online that means there's just so much going on and eventually you start to get a bit like drained yeah. physically because it's like oh my god there's so many mm-hmm. clubhouse <laughs> chats and so many of this so now I'm starting to restrict the number of things that I can I'm allowed to speak on because otherwise I'm just gonna go <laughs> get go crazy because I'm, I'm a bit of like an introvert so I like you know um, what's it called mm-hmm. human interaction drains me already <laughs> so <laughs> yeah but it's, I mean it's definitely important but I'm glad that like you know <laughs> when I tell people people they're like what?
1: Honestly, I'll keep this podcast short then.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was saying this to my mum the other day and she was so confused, like how is this a thing? I'm like, honestly, it really is. Um But yeah, but I do try but I do try and engage as much as I can. Um, but obviously bearing in mind that I don't want to tire myself too much.
1: Of course, of course. No, that's such a, a, a good way to do it. Obviously, you limit your your um areas of, of energy drainage. Um, and focus on the things which are are fulfilling you and things that you know that work. Um, So, yeah, thanks for sharing that message with with us, uh, myself and our listeners. So just to move on to our second challenge of today's podcast, it's the presentation round where you'll have to pitch a new startup idea curated by me. We'll go through the problems the solution and the business model, all within a few slides. And you haven't seen these slides, but this will be a good test of your improvisation skills. Um, You'll be able to earn up to (laughs) a maximum of 15 points. So out of five for your confidence, five for believability and five for how well you answer any questions I may throw at you. And for all you listeners, you can find the visual slides on my website at kurthenderson.com slash podcast. So, Urena, are you ready to get cracking?
0: Yeah, I have to make up for it now.
1: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please give a very warm welcome to our next guest pitcher of the Startup Pictures Awards 2021, Urena. <laughs>
0: Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Mirona and I am the founder of YouBet, where we help you make money from your cab rides. Next slide, please. So what is the problem that we're trying to solve? So right now, we know that waiting for a cab can lead to so many frustrations and therefore stress, and we know that nobody likes stress. Also, some cab hating apps cost to cancel their services, which means that you're left fuming and waiting. Like I know, for example, I've had, you know, other cabs, you know, I'm I'm rushing to, to a meeting and I book a taxi and then, you know, it's running late and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, cancelled. It's so, so frustrating. Next. And also we know that a lot of cab drivers accept jobs when they're ten minutes out, when there's when there's close to cab drivers, because they, they don't understand that we are in a hurry. And, you know, they know that, you know, especially when you're in the city, that like you've got loads of meetings that you need to attend to. So having to wait 10 minutes for a cab is just completely unacceptable. Next. So um, we started to do some um, research, and we spoke to uh, a lady called Fatima. And this was her story. She said that she stood there waiting in the cold as she ordered a cab. And the driver accepted it, and he was five minutes away. Next thing, um, she sees rambus car spinning in circles moving forward and backwards which is so so insane and then that five minutes turned into 12 minutes and then 15 minutes and you know she had she had a meeting that she had to attend to and because of that she was so angry so annoyed and then she she um she started to cancel the, the 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 um the taxi and then she was charged a cancellation fee on top of that so in the end she had to reorder and wait another 10 minutes you know, So not only has her time been wasted, but she's also had, had to spend you know, money. She's also been charged for something that wasn't her fault. Mm. So this is where yeah. Ubet comes in. So Ubet is an app that allows cab-hailing users to place bets on what they think their cab drivers will do. Mm. So what does that mean? So it's positive emotion. So we know that no one wants to end the night on a sour note. So you can end it by making back all your money spent. Secondly, you get some financial gains, so you earn money whilst you wait. You can even pay off the journey just by betting. And finally, you get get a better customer response, because customers are less likely to give their driver's hassle for being late. Because, you know, why would you give someone hassle when you know them being late is going to put more money into your account?
1: So just just to ask a question, um, why is it that the cab drivers spin around? Is that something that they're doing? Is that some kind of donut show that they're doing? Before they get to, to the customer,
0: you know what I think it's I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that they know they can do it, so why not? Mm. And you know, we know that human beings once 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 they know that there's no repercussions for an action, and they know that they're gonna you know still still <laughs> charge you money for those actions, why wouldn't they do that? So that that that's our theory.
1: Really interesting. Well, wow. thanks 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 for answering the question.
0: So what, what does the market look like? Right now, um, the UK um, gambling market is worth about £15.4 billion. Uh, pounds. And we know that there are 4 million users that are using cap-having apps in the UK, which means that the market and the opportunity for this is huge. And this is, and we, we will be the company that would you know, double this market in the next five years. Next.
1: Excuse me, how many cap companies are there in, in the UK like, doing this kind of service?
0: So right now, in terms of the, the actual specific offering that UBET offers, there isn't any other company out there doing that. There are other mm. carp hating apps, but we find that all of them, the, the other cap apps just tend to, you know, spin around and not really do much. And they're just trying to collect money from the customers rather than give them money.
1: Okay. Right. Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a serious um, serial investor. And I've I've invested in a few other um, cab companies, so I just want to kind of get an idea of like how your product is is different to 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 what's out there in the market and some of my portfolio companies.
0: Yeah, I mean, so what makes us different is that we're actually paying, we're actually um, giving the customers money the longer their cab, the um, longer it takes for the cabs to arrive. Mm. Whereas with um, other cab companies, customers are actually paying money. You know when their cards are late or when they have to cancel. So that's what that's our unique differentiator. Mm.
1: And, and how does the, the, the product itself work? Like if I had to use this thing, how would it work?
0: Yeah, cool. So um, this is how, the the product works. Very simply. So when you when you when you sign up or when you're using the app, you can um, once you request a, a, a mm. card, you can place different bets. So you, you can decide decide oh what um, if the driver will spin around, if the driver will take the wrong road, the driver will arrive on time, or whether they'll cancel your new. And you place bets based on what you think is going to happen. Um, and then once that, hap- once, once that happens, you just have to wait and see and see whether you're going to make some money or not. Next slide,
1: Wow, incredible. So, so you've literally created this, this gambling index for, for the prediction of what your cab driver is going to do. That's fantastic. And what's the business model like?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, the the business model um, works by you know, mainly through commissions. So we take a small commissions um, from from mm-hmm. the cab drivers. Um, we also um, you know place bets based on potential common happenings from from cab drivers, and we expect to make about two million mm-hmm. uh, pounds in revenue in the next two years. And this is, and we're yeah, going to make this revenue because we know more. that people. Yes, we. I mean, we know that people are, people love our products. People are going to want to use us, and you know, we know that the more if, if people are if we're creating a product that helps customers get make money, they're going to want to keep using us even more. So it's a win win for everyone. Well, apart from the cab drivers. Next <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <sorry.
1: laughs> I'm Just. <laughs> And, and what are your, your customers um, saying about this? Because obviously you need that, that market validation from you know, hard users who are actually experiencing this app and relaying that feedback to you. What are they saying about this?
0: Yeah, I mean, we are getting some amazing early feedback from our customers. So, for example, one of our customers, Megan, like, she made fifty pounds just from w- waiting for her driver as they just spun around seven times. I mean, you're just sitting in the car spinning around and getting people pounds to your account. Like, who wouldn't want that? So, you know, and and it's it's really evident from the fact that you know, like you know, 70% of our, of our, of our customers come from word of mouth because everyone is like thinking, oh my God, this is a great way to make money. So they're just telling all our, all their friends about, about us. And we haven't even had to do any like referral marketing or so on because people just love us and telling, telling their Mm. friends about us for free.
1: (laughs) Incredible. Mm.
0: Um, yeah. And then, you know, we've got, we've got Harry who's, um, another user and he, um, He's, he's also a cab driver and you know he's, when when the rider jumped, came into the cab like the rider was so happy because he was like I'm going to come into this cab and I'm going to make so much money because we're just going to spin him and I'm going to get 50 pounds or 100 pounds into my account and you know it just creates a much better um, like atmosphere much better rapport and stuff so like you know Harry, um, the, the, the rider is rating the, the cab driver really highly and also the, the, the cab driver is rating the rider highly so everyone's just everyone's happy and that's what, that's, that's, that's what we want to do. We want to create a happy, happy atmosphere for everybody. Wow.
1: Um, well, it'd be interesting to, to get an idea of how much you're raising because this sounds like a, a really good proposition, personally. I've just been talking to um, Sarah next to me. Um, she's my co-investor. And we would actually like to invest. Um, so how much are you raising and, and, and why are you raising that amount?
0: Yeah, sure. So we're raising £500,000 and we already have about 400000 committed from um, Anderson Horowitz, which is great. And um, they actually wanted to do our, fill um, out our entire round, but we wanted to reserve some allocation for some um, value-add angel investors like yourself. Um, and we are, we're raising to expand our team. And also to um, expand um, the amount of money that we can give to our customers, so that the longer they wait, they can get the, the more money they can get into their Yubeta um, accounts. Uh, so,
1: I'm um, sorry, Service is speaking to me. Yeah, yes, yeah, I'm just okay. Yeah. Um. So sorry, she's just asking me um, what types of team members are you going to be hiring? Who are going to be your first hires?
0: Yeah, sure. So one of our first hires is going to be a chief meme officer. Um, because you know we're all about creating great vibes Mm. and people want want everyone to be happy and what are the means of getting happy and of being happy than it means because everyone knows means everyone finds them funny so uh, we know that like when a customer comes Mm. into um when they're waiting for their um for their for the Uber taxi to arrive, then you know a bunch of memes would just pop up onto their app and you know, keep them entertained and you know and excited. Um, and then once they jump into their cab, there's also a massive meme poster on there just to make sure that they're also really engaged and oh, happy wow. and fun and it's a you know a fun time for everybody. <laughs> so yeah, that that's that's going to be one of our, our most important key hires.
1: I love the little meme poster thing that you mentioned there. It's fantastic. Nice little branding um, consistency there. And just last of all, what made yeah. you come up with the name Ubet?
0: Because, you know, I came up with the name Ubet because my, the first letter of my name starts with the U and, you know, we're getting people to bet oh. on the app. I know, clever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fantastic. Well, thanks for pitching <laughs> today. That was really good. And um, if anyone has any questions or wants to follow up with Urena um, in regards to investment opportunities, please email Urena at um, ubet.com. Thanks so much for being on the show, Um, Urena.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
1: That was really good. You were so confident with that.
0: Oh, my God, I was chatting nonsense.
1: (laughs) I loved the last answer, like, um, with the naming. You just said (laughs) you named it after. Um, (laughs) Because your name starts with you. Um, So, so, first of all, (laughs) I want to give... a five out of five for your questions. Cause I feel like you answered every question very confidently. There was no pausing and stopping. You just absolutely blitz those questions. Your confidence. You, it, it made me think that maybe you have access to my thousand. You'd seen his presentation. Before, <laughs> and you know you were just, you pitched this before or something. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, and I love the bit where you talked about the meme poster, um, You also talked, you covered the amounts that you're raising very confidently as well. So confidence, five out of five. Believability, four out of five. So in total, you get a total of 14 out of 15 for for that round. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Enthusiastic, yay. (laughs) (laughs) So just moving on to our... um, second to last challenge um, which is a quick one Um, you'll have to perform a fake product ad as we don't actually have a sponsor yet these concept ideas are inspired by the board Elon Musk parody Twitter account and then turned into advert scripts you'll be awarded two points based on effort Um, so I'm going to read to you two potential tweets that um, board Elon Musk um, has tweeted himself and you can pick between the two of them which one you would prefer to to read out. So the first one is an app that scans your restaurant meals and shows you the ingredient used to cook with groceries you already bought. And the second one, coffee machine that's connected to your email that increases the brew strength based on how many unread emails you have. Which one do you prefer?
0: Um, the first one. <laughs> this is so, the strangest podcast I've ever done in my life. <laughs> yeah, I'll just go for that.
1: <laughs> okay. And feel free to spice it up however you choose.
0: Oh, all right, cool.
1: <clears throat> and now, just to hear from one of our sponsors. Oh, well,
0: there goes another £30 spent on a restroom meal. What if I could save that and instead cook the same meal at home? Say no more, day. Try Scan the Bites by BDM. Scan the dish. Hmm. Toulouse-style cassoulet. Okay. Well, find the same ingredients in your fridge. What are you waiting for? Get saving and get cooking.
1: Terms and conditions apply. So. Just so our fourth and final round, is it wrong or is it right? You'll simply have to guess yeah. three true or false questions with the opportunity to earn a maximum of six points. That's two points per question. Are you feeling ready?
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm ready. Okay. So for the first question, Oprah is a stakeholder in Oatley. true or false?
0: Um, false. But I don't feel like it's
1: true. <laughs> the answer is true. Oprah is no. a stakeholder in Oatly and Oatly is valued around $2 billion. Don't know how much <laughs> stakes she <you earn>, owns. so. <laughs> For the second question, in 2016, Beyonce became the first ever Solo female to headline Glastonbury Festival's main stage. True or false? You say
0: 2016. Yeah. Uh, False. Okay.
1: You're absolutely right.
0: I mean, I'll be very disappointed myself. I was wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right because it was 2011. (laughs)
0: Yeah
1: (laughs) And for the final question India Moore Of the show Pose Became the first coloured transgender Woman to direct a TV episode True or false?
0: Hmm. Um, I'll say true
1: The answer is false It was actually (laughs) Janet Mark. Janet Mock, ah. who directed the TV show Pose. Indian Moore is the lead actor in the show, but didn't direct it. Janet Muck oh, recently right. received a Stephen F. Kolzak Award at the 2020 GLAAD Media Awards for her incredible work. So <laughs> for that <laughs> round, you got a total of two points, which takes you to... A total of 18 points for out of 40 for the entire podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: gosh.
1: Was it challenging? It's better than find the T-Rex. It challenging? <laughs> yeah, better than the T Rex round. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, th- I think that the T Rex one was what let me down.
1: Honestly. Mm, that is always <laughs> the hardest. That is the hardest round.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. I think that it. One of the things that I kept pressing, like, the space bar instead of the, the up arrow. I don't know why. So that was kind of a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So the, I think the second time and the third time I pressed mm-hmm. the space bar rather than jumping. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Was that's that kind easier? of messed things up. Mm-hmm.
1: Huh? Was it easier to press the... Space bar instead of the jump.
0: No, because I wasn't awesome. meant to press the space bar. I was meant to press the top arrow. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. But I just got to, it's it's hard. Like I just got distracted because obviously asking the question and all of that. It's the pressure. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> it's better than zero though. Um, you're saying. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. You know, you know, you smash the presentation round. So you know, <laughs> that's that's always the hardest. Well, the most challenging round because it's very much on this part. Um, yeah. But congrats on that. And just before we wrap up was there any founder tips you wanted to leave us or just tips in general that you wish you knew at a certain point in your life? Um,
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, startups are really hard. (laughs) Building a business is is very hard. And I think the only, um, and you know, there's, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of nuances depending on the business, business you're, you're building. But I think one thing that really does, um, apply across all businesses is that consistency is key um because sometimes you might feel like you're doing certain things and it's just not working or you're not getting as much um traction or whatever it is as you would like and all that stuff but it's just really focusing on like if as long as you're building a business that you know is viable and it makes sense just be trying to be more consistent with it does help a lot because it starts to i guess add some level of um um credibility to you that shows that you don't just easily give up on something and sometimes you just never know who's watching like sometimes people might actually just be watching silently and just kind of waiting for that moment to really you know coming and take your business to the next level so you know consistency is so is so so key in building a a a great business Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Mm -hmm. so important well massive thanks for sharing that and i can completely agree with that um consistency over time is very important it's the best way of measuring results um, and selling, um, as you said in a previous question, your star goals as well. Um, so massive thanks for your time today, Urena. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being on the Hot Car um, Black Founders Series podcast. And congrats on your score today. And for everyone listening, I hope you've learned a number of um, valuable lessons today shared by Urena.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: And we hope to see
0: you soon. We're looking forward to following your journey.